Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, the secrets to creating social video that gets noticed. My guest for this episode, Kim Rickberg, cracked the code in our cluttered, competitive, hyper-niche world, and she's here to share. Kim formerly launched and ran the video unit for Us Weekly and is now a social video strategist and on-camera coach who helps professionals become thought leaders through video and podcasts. And Kim is also the host of her own podcast, The Exit Interview with Kim Ritberg. Welcome to the podcast, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love spending time with you. So I actually want to start by asking the obvious question, but what is social video and why does it matter? Social video is everything we're seeing right now on all the social platforms. So when we used to say video, you'd think of video on someone's website or um, back in the day, a video that's playing somewhere. Social video is all that video, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, any new platform that comes out that we can't even predict right now. But it's video that lives on those platforms and the goal is to be shared widely, to catch fire. Um, and generally what I advise on and what we generally talk about is video that's editorial or video that's being used for marketing purposes. So when I could, when I advise people, I'm like, okay, how do we make great video that helps you grow your business, whether you're a service provider, a consultant, a business owner, a product. So how do we make amazing video that you can then put all over those platforms, share that drives sales, that drives clients. I think it's important to remind people that LinkedIn is part of this conversation because I think it's rarely, well, there are many people who can only be on LinkedIn depending on what industry you're in. Uh, but also there's a tendency to be like LinkedIn's over here on its own section and everything else is social media, but that it all fits in together. And also, can you explain, before I keep cutting you off, the, what, the, what do you mean the difference between marketing and editorial? Sure. So, well, first of all, about LinkedIn, I agree with you 100%. I personally have gotten many clients directly from LinkedIn, not even like, oh, we started a conversation and nine months later, they worked with me. Like they got on a phone, they got on the phone with me and they were ready to invest. So LinkedIn is not only a platform to consider, but especially if you're in the professional realm or you're a consultant or a service provider of certain things, LinkedIn is incredible and do not forget about it. And what I'm talking about editorial versus marketing. So I think of it because I came from media. I worked in TV. I worked on, I, I was a producer and a writer in TV news and then long form TV for 10 years. So that's writing content. You don't have to sell people on anything in that content. It's just there for people to enjoy, to learn from. So that's what we're talking about for news or, um, for example, I wrote and produced the fabulous life of Justin Bieber. I'm not trying to sell anything. I just want you to watch it because it's fun and they get advertisers and ratings and whatever. And then I worked at Us Weekly. I was the head of video there at Us Weekly. Again, I just want to make video that people are excited about that that people want to watch for no other reason. I'm not trying to sell you on anything. There's no sort of secret, like secret goal of mine behind that. And then in news, if I'm telling a news story about something that's happening in the world or in our country, it's just to inform you. I want to make it interesting, but my main goal is to get you to watch. So there's no other um what's the word you know, you know, secondary goal sort of like there's no other agenda. But there's in no agenda. all video yeah. we want to get people to watch. So we that... want to get people to watch. Yeah. But but I think that when we're talking about video for marketing purposes, there are different things you need to be doing because 
you have to push as close as possible to editorial content. You have to really try to get as close as possible to content that someone wants to watch. That will then end up getting you clients. That will then end up selling your products, your services, but you're really trying to get as close as possible to something that someone's like, ooh, that looks interesting. Let me watch that. Because no one's like, ooh, let me see that advertisement. I can't wait to watch it again and share it with my friends unless it's the Super Bowl. Right, or it's funny. I was thinking about the tradition in England where um, they always had long form advertisements because they didn't have them on TV. So they show them in movie theaters and people would go to watch them because they were really, really inventive. You know, as you're talking, Kim, it's popping into head my head because my audience consists of, you know, many professionals in which is your target base. But also when I think about hosts and media personalities and um, people on television, I started to think about reels because a reel is a marketing tool that um, obviously, but you're now addressing, and I want people to think about this differently, how much your reel is the, sa- is the same idea. You have to create something that people want to watch that at the same time is you're making sure that you're hitting certain points, yeah. which I, you know, in my world is I'm always like focus on your value. What's the intersection of like what you offer and what does the world need? And then who's going to pay for it and who's potentially watching that's going to want it and pay for it. So this is a really important conversation. Backing up one second, how did you crack the code? Because I'm really fascinated by this. So cracking the code of social video. So I think really, when you really, really distill it down, it's stepping into any video creation, thinking like a journalist Mm -hmm. and thinking like a video producer. And so, so many of my clients come in and they're looking to sell their services, sell homes, sell their products, but you can't really think about video in that way because truly those are all advertisements. So I think the biggest change is saying, how do I come at it from a point of view of someone who is truly trying to make good video? And then you think about all of the types of video that you can make that introduce people to you, your service, whatever you're selling to them, whether you're uh, a coach, an entrepreneur, a business owner, a product-based company, real estate agent, talent. all of those things, you're a host. talent, talent, you're selling, some, but, but, but people, when you're like, when you're talking about a reel, people aren't necessarily dying to see your reel. Like they are, if they're, if they're considering hiring you, but the more you make it fun to watch, the more they're going to engage with it, the more they're going to watch it again. And so really for anything, when you're selling yourself or you're selling your product, you're selling your services, you have to think, like what would make this more interesting? What would make this more fun? What would make this more um, endearing? And all those different adjectives are obviously unique to that person. You know, every, we all bring our own special sauce, but really thinking about it from the sense of, would I watch this? Is this kind of boring? <laughs> like, is this an advertisement? And so coming with that angle. I couldn't agree more. And so what you're talking about is visual storytelling. It's visual storytelling, but I do like to also say, I don't like to come in and be like, I am this expert. Mm-hmm. You should think through these 20 things first because that makes people freeze and not create content. And that's the opposite of what I want people to do. Mm. I think it's really important to start putting yourself out there. But as you start putting yourself out there, start thinking about certain things, but don't let that paralyze you. Because so many people, you know, I mean, you you work with thousands of people through your career. I think the hardest part is getting over yourself to even put yourself on camera. So I don't like to put all of these things like do this, do that, do this, do that. And then they're just sitting in their office, like totally overwhelmed and frozen. So I think there are, there's a lens to see it through, but the first step is just getting that confidence to even get on camera and start doing it. Well, you kind of tapped into this. My next question was what gets in the way of people creating social video that gets noticed? 
I would say the majority of my clients, 75%, maybe more, the very first block is themselves being on camera. And they have that self-consciousness, um, fear of judgment, fear of failure, uh, fear of putting themselves out there, being vulnerable, and then nobody watching it. And it feels very personal. Mm-hmm. And I think the key to social video is you both have to open yourself up, but also not care if no one watches. And that's a very complicated thing in people's minds. I think it's complicated for all of us. I have all of these clients. I'm like, you have to put yourself out there. You really do need to put in the time and the effort to put it out there. You have to engage. But when you don't get those results, you also have to be able to brush off and be like, it's okay. It's just one part of the things I'm doing. It's kind of hard. And I think that um, the biggest hurdle for people is just putting themselves out there. Yeah, I agree. And just as you're saying that, I realize, and and I had to go through this myself and get over this, right? Um, Several years ago, because when you go from being happily behind the scenes to that, you know, it's the point of my podcast, it's the point of my business, we all have to be camera ready. There's no turning back the clock anymore. We're all the brand of ourselves. Um, So what I would say is, you know, once you accept that maybe nobody will watch, it's actually also a gift too, because you can reframe it and go, well, you know what? This is giving me a little bit more time to learn how to do this better. Like, yay, thank you. What a gift from the universe. I learned how to do, I got, I, you know, I took my baby step and the next time it'll be a little bit easier. Yes. Yes. I have a thing that I call supermodel mode. And so what I think- <laughs> what is, I love it. What is that? What, so what I think hurts- something that hurts all of us as we're trying to step into creating video to grow our business, to grow our brand is being in supermodel mode. Supermodel mode is where we're thinking about everyone watching us and everyone looking at our hair, our lipstick, our outfit, how we're talking, our energy level. But to create video, you have to get out of supermodel mode and get into teacher mode. You have to be really focused on what your message is and how you're helping other people with your message. And that could be for any type of service, any type of business, Thinking less about how you're looking and how you're sounding and thinking more about the message, that really helps you get out of your own head to get started and to keep moving forward. Oh, I thousand percent, Kim. So I I teach that all the time, whether somebody's giving a speech, making a video, doing anything. So in the media training coaching side, it's about being audience focused and focusing on your value. Because when we're obsessed with all the things you mentioned, like how do we look, we're actually looking inward. So um, you know, all that shame and fear and perfectionism. And imposter syndrome is, um, well, anxiety disorder. Hi, card carrying member. But um, it's inward facing. So you're not connecting with what you're doing. And and we all learn the hard way. But I am a deep, deep believer in the fact that nobody shows up for our perfect. They show up for the value that we provide. And it's funny as you say this. So believe it or not, you know, I, I majored in film studies in college. And one of the earliest films I made uh, was technically imperfect, shall we say but it had a really good story and urgency and tension and people were laughing. And my professor said, nobody ever left a theater for bad editing. So it goes back to exactly what you're saying when we're taking the baby steps in the beginning and we're afraid of all the, those details. If your story's good and you're compelling, people are, can be very forgiving about the other things. Like, you know, if the lighting's a little off, et cetera. Yeah. And I've had, you know, I've been most of my career, like 90% of my career is behind the scenes, a writer and a producer. And I did some in front of the camera work. I was a local TV 
uh, local TV reporter. I did some hosting at Us Weekly video of like bachelor post bachelor panels. Sometimes Us Weekly. News. I remember like, this. I did, yeah, I did. You know, I've done some stuff on camera, but the majority of my career has been behind the scenes. And for me, when I launched my own business, I had the same thing. I was feeling very self conscious to put myself on camera. My peers are like senior vice presidents, vice presidents. And I'm thinking, oh, am I going to really show up all over Instagram and LinkedIn, like, like selling myself and selling my services? I felt really um, like cringy or salesy or almost desperate. And I certainly wasn't desperate, but I felt worried that it would come off that way. Mm-hmm. But then at a certain point, I'm like, you know what? All these other people, like they don't have, they don't work for themselves. So they can hide behind their desk. They only need to do certain things for their own career. And for me, especially I'm teaching people about video, I have to put myself on video, both to practice what I preach, but also it's a marketing tool. It's a marketing tool. And if I'm not doing that, I'm only hurting myself. And in the past like year and a half, my speaking career has like basically gone from zero to a hundred in like 12 months. And if I waited till I lost those 15 pounds, to start my speaking career, where would I be? You know, I think we all have that thing like, well, I don't look good, I don't sound good, and I'm not really that polished. It's like, if someone else wants to hear from you and thinks that you have value, go and do it. Start putting yourself out there. And I think just realizing, like, just start moving forward, just start doing it. Everyone's gonna, every single video is gonna be better than the last one. Five videos will be better than the first video. The 10th video will be better than the fifth video. And that's how it goes. What are some of the um, core apps and things? I just started thinking about like the competencies. I don't know why this popped into my head. So I love what you just said, but it's like, if I'm just starting out with this, like, what do I absolutely have to have? This is like on the technical, practical level. Oh, sure. I was like, oh, well, I'll give you the four C's, but I'll give you the apps. Oh, we'll get Um, to the four C's. Yeah, I know. I was (laughs) like, "Mm." so in terms of apps, so I actually just did a YouTube video about this. um, And I spoke about it on a real estate podcast as well. I am really bullish on don't even worry about the tech first. I have a lot of clients who come to me. They're like, what should I buy? And I'm like, oh, what's your strategy? Like what types of video are you going to be making? How comfortable are you on camera? I'm very much a low tech person. I personally have like a whole closet of equipment that I spent money on that I never use. I had a light kit that takes 20 minutes to set up. I'm never going to use it. Where am I going to put it? I live in New York city. It's going to take my entire office. So I am a fan of less tech, the better. One thing I recommend a tripod with a ring light. So no matter what you're doing, whether you're on Zoom or you're filming a video for social, a ring light gives you a really nice and even light. Oh, I don't even have mine on. That's so funny. I set mine up for this interview and now I'm going to go turn it on to practice what I preach. Um, I am going to recommend a tripod with a ring light. And so that means you can put your phone in your tripod and it keeps your phone from bobbling. And then you can turn the light on and they have a really even lighting. So Natural lighting is the best, but we don't all have beautiful natural lighting in our office. The second best thing is lights. Back in the day in TV, you'd have like a huge light kit. We don't have space for that. We don't have a need for that. And the truth is most people don't want to set that up. They're not comfortable with the technology. I don't even want to set it up. So a tripod, you could put your phone in it, a ring light around that. Um, If you're doing podcasting and something that's audio heavy, absolutely get a microphone. If you're going to do more than just a one-off podcast, buy a microphone. We all have Amazon. I have recommended microphones. If you want to message me, I'll I'll send you my tips. Um, And I have a free download of how to make a great video, free 10 tips. But I'd say the ring light is important. Microphone only if you're doing audio heavy things. 
And then in terms of editing, I think that it really depends on your comfort level. So if you hate tech, you hate editing, you hate all of that stuff, I don't think you should do any of it. And I think you should outsource it. Uh, as we know, successful people delegate and they outsource. So when people come to me and they're like, I don't like editing, I'm frustrated by editing, but I don't want to outsource. There's not a lot of wiggle room there. The social platforms and social apps are so user-friendly. They have, they spend millions of dollars to make it really easy for every single person to use it. So if you're on Instagram, film yourself, prop it in your iPhone, like literally take off the beginning of you awkwardly pressing play and then take off the end of you turning it off, put it in Instagram, add some captions to make it accessible for, for people and then run that video. If you are a little bit, little more comfortable, I would say apps like CapCut and InShot are very easy and user-friendly. I wouldn't recommend honestly any more than that unless you love technology. Editors will use Adobe Premiere. I mean, I actually do use the Adobe suite now because I do more editing for my work, but don't, don't use that. You probably don't like editing or you would be a filmmaker. So don't use that. Um, I would say those are the main things. The main things is if you don't love technology, don't go deep in technology. Focus on your message, focus on having it be well lit and then do very simple editing and outsource it if, if you can. That was so helpful. Thank you. So now what are the four C's, which are also very helpful? <laughs> so the four C's, I think the first one you are so aware of, Barbara, and I'm sure <laughs> our audience will be like, of course, but the first, there's four C's when it comes to really creating social video that's going to make people watch and really love. The first one is confidence. So basically all of us are confident in life. We can talk to people. We can introduce ourselves to potential clients. Um, but when the little green light goes on, we get really stressed out. Maybe we're on a stage and we see all the people looking at us and our body goes into fight or flight. So the worst advice people can give you is just, just be natural. Just, just go out there, record your video and just be yourself. And that's terrible advice because we're not natural. We're aware that there's some inanimate object and we're looking into a small hole and talking to it. And there's no back and forth and it can be uncomfortable. So it's important to just say, this is a little awkward at first. I just have to practice. It's just a skill. And over time, you'll get your confidence up with that. Um, and I mentioned it before, but going from supermodel mode to teacher mode, focus more on the message. Instead of being in supermodel mode, don't think about your hair, your makeup, your, your lipstick. Think about being a teacher and thinking about what you're bringing to the audience. That really is, a, I think, the number one thing that really unleashes the confidence. Besides that, I listen to some Beyonce before I record a video. I practice some deep breathing to balance myself out because I'm high energy and I'll talk fast if I don't balance myself out. And speaking before you record loosens up your voice, makes you feel warm. Again, smile. Smiling, a lot of people start recording video and they're like talking like this. Hi, I'm Kim Rickberg. I'm really excited to help you make videos. It sounds flat. It looks flat. We're mostly selling something positive unless you're like a funeral director. Maybe you shouldn't smile. Everyone else should smile. And lastly, I think the biggest thing just keep in mind with the confidence is that if you're hiding from the camera, you're hiding from clients. Oh, that's a great quote. I love it. And, you know, as a reminder, because our, our work crosses over, you know, working with so many fitness clients who are, you know, in amazing physical shape. And for some reason, though, because people miss, what's the word? They conflate the idea or get confused thinking that we're talking. We're actually not talking, we're communicating. 
And so um, this is a skill and it ha- and we're sharing and it's an exchange of energy and all those different things. But for some reason, sometimes people think practicing here is an indication that they're bad at something. And I was like, but it's, so it's funny when I deal with, ath- you know, work with athletes or fitness people, because I'm like, You're bo- you have trained your body and it's the same mindset that goes into this. And so it's really fun to work with people who are unbelievable shape. And the only muscles they've never worked are like their jaw and their mouth. Totally. Cause they've never done those exercises and which will actually wind up being super fun. No, but it is, it is true. I think we forget that our body is a muscle our our, our whole body is made of muscle. Our face is muscles and, and same thing. You need to exercise and you need to use it. Yeah. And that's why you have to warm up. Okay. So what's my second C after confidence? Uh, concise. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we all have so much to say, which is fantastic. Great for a dinner party. But when you're making a video, you probably have 60 seconds. Sometimes you have 15 seconds. It can feel overwhelming to say, okay, get your message out in 15 seconds, but each video, one nugget. So each video is one nugget. Amen. Nice and clear. And if you have so many ideas, fantastic. Make four different videos. Amen. <laughs> then, then you just eased up your marketing for the month, right? Yeah, I sent a note to a client recently who was launching a podcast and their pilot episode, I was like, this is, you have 10 ideas here. You just come up with a season. Right, that's exactly <laughs> it. And one thing I, I like to think of it as, if you can, if your granny can understand it and your seven-year-old neighbor can both understand it, perfect. That's yeah, you and Einstein, message. that was what Einstein said. Oh, I'm so smart. I didn't even know that. So I guess yeah, I, I said, Einstein. if you can't explain it s- simply to your grandmother, uh, you don't understand it. And that it's a big thing that big words are not impressive. They're just confusing. And if you confuse, you lose, meaning you lose I, your audience. Basically, my takeaway from this interview is that I am related to Albert Einstein. Okay. Yes, you are. <laughs> well, then we could get super molecular and understand that we are all <laughs> related to each other. The other, the other thing about being concise is one way to do that is to take out 30% of whatever you're working on. So let's say we have a word salad, right? Our words are a salad. They're like all mixed up together. We are only isolating the one thing we want someone to focus on. So I want someone to focus on the croutons because I like croutons, but sometimes I avoid them because I'm going less carbs. But, um, you want to draw attention to that. So you take your elevator pitch and you cross out 30%. I promise you it's better. It's going to be better with that 30% out. Um, It's hard for all of us. I struggle with it too, but it's very important because the more you take out, the more everything else comes into focus. Question though, on a practical level, do you recommend then, you know, if if something is written out to actually look at the number of words and then go, what would 30% of that be? Or is this kind of a loose 30%? I I think it's a loose 30% because sometimes you have phrases that are kind of quotable quotes. And I don't think you should lose those if if they match the message and they're cute and they work well, keep those. So I think the 30 is, if it's four lines, take out one, something like that, that's 25%. But approximately 30%. I do think the word count is helpful though, because we see what we wrote we see it's a little long-winded and we struggle with it. So sometimes you're better off either trying to cut out 30% or starting again and distilling it down. That's a great note. And FYI, for anyone who listening doesn't know this, it's the average is 250 words a minute. 
And so um, knowing your word count and it's just a tool on everybody's computer is really helpful. Yeah. And it's, it's important for people to remember that <laughs> these videos are of the word salad. These are the amuse-bouche, right? You're not introducing your whole life to someone in this one video. You're giving them a nice little taste of what's to come. And so I think sometimes people struggle with, well, this one video, it doesn't show all of me. It's like, right. Nothing does, right? Even in an elevator pitch, an amazing elevator pitch might not capture every single aspect of you or your personality or what you have to offer, but it's a great taste. It's the same with the video. Oh, that's such a great point. You know, and that actually comes up even when people, clients might be going on, um, you know, TV, like on a CNBC or yeah. wherever, the Today Show. And to your point with the amuse bouche, which is why for anybody who doesn't know, that's like, you know, an appetizer means kiss the mouth and it's to get the taste buds going. You want to get people to click. You want to get a yes. people to watch it again. And you want people to go to your website or wherever we're driving them. And so that I agree with that so much. And sometimes that's the mindset shift people need to hear because you're yeah. so excited about your product or whatever that is. And they're like, and I want to tell you this exciting thing. And then, I, and then about this, and then let me tell you about how I made it and, and what was going through my head. And it was so great. And I was like, it is so great, but save that story on your website. Let me go there and be delighted. And similar to that, exactly. Similar to that, I had the communications person for a member of Congress I was working with. I was doing on-camera media training and video strategy for basically their messaging platform. And they were stumped about how to be short and concise. You're not presenting your whole legislative agenda to someone oh my in God. one tiny video, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like a beautiful mind and Oppenheimer and everything combined. It's too much. It is too much. Like if someone can envision you like writing on a blackboard all over their whole room, it's too much. So <laughs> I kind of, exp I explained to them that a concise video, a clear video is a taste. It's an amuse-bouche to your word salad. It's a way to bring them in and say, I agree with that. Let me see what else from that person. That's an interesting point. That person's really intelligent. Huh, I'm really convinced by their point, even though I wasn't before. Let me look up more about them. So it's a taste. And so we don't have to worry so much about getting our entire je ne sais quoi, our entire everything into one video. It's a taste. And I think I forget the number, but it's something like it takes someone seven times or 13 times hearing your name or seeing your product to want to work with you. So that's okay. Everything's a taste. It's a positive affiliation with you. And it's a way for them to get to know you a little bit better. Was that number two? Was that, are we still on concise? So we got confidence. <laughs> we got concise. The, the so good. Scene. That so was not good. a concise conversation <laughs> about concise, but it was really good. Listen to Barbara and Kim teach you about being <laughs> concise in a non-concise way. Um, <laughs> the third C is consistency. You do not want to be the Chumba Wumba of social videos. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, Chumba Wumba signed that song. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You probably haven't heard that in 20 years. So, and if you're younger, I don't know what a what hit wonder is from the last 10 years. I don't listen to the radio anymore, but uh, consistency builds your brand and a one hit wonder does not. When you watch those morning shows and you have that, you know, the family that sits on the morning show because their cat played the piano through the thunderstorm. That's so cute. That's so amazing. They didn't build a brand from that. They didn't build a brand from the cat playing piano in the thunderstorm. Neither will you. So don't worry about going viral. That's not your goal. Your goal is to create a consistent video strategy or podcast strategy that expands your reach, that makes people like you, trust you, and want to work with you. So that's the important thing. And in terms of efficiency and consistency, a lot of people struggle with, 
okay, great, Kim, I'm going to be consistent. I don't have time to make four videos a month, eight videos a month, two videos a month, whatever. How do I do it? Efficiency. Whatever systems you have put in place for your business, for your acting career, for your product-based service, the same thing. You need a system. I think sometimes people think about video, they're like, I'll just make a video. It's like, it's like anything else. You don't just like do your taxes or do your finances, like on a whim in a spreadsheet at once. Like you create a system, you operationalize it, you systematize it, even the creative process, it all becomes a system. And that's how you create a consistent video marketing uh, machine. That's fantastic. And you know what? It also reminds me part of the importance of consistency. It is on my side is we want to know you're still going to be around. Totally. Right. I'm totally. not, I don't want to hire someone point. that's going to go out of business. I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to invest in someone who's going to quit. That's such a good point. I think you're right about that. And if they could see that you've been producing content for a certain amount of time for whatever amount and cadence you can, that's the other thing. It's like the cadence is up to you. If you yes. can support my, my clients say, how much should I post? I'm like, what can you keep up with? Don't post 10 in this two week span and then nothing for six months. That doesn't help you. I'd rather remake things. We time them out. We spread them out. Um, and I teach you how to make better content and you engage more people, even if you're making less, um, how to be consistent with it. So again, like to your point, people know what to expect from you. They trusted you. They know to come back for more. Yes. That's such a great point. Okay. Now we hit number four. Okay. Hold your ears. Some of you guys hold your ears, but creativity. What do you mean Cre by that? <laughs> so creativity converts to cash. Oh, I like that. Say that again. That's kind of fun. I'm going to say it closer to the microphone because yeah. we're on Barber Show. Creativity converts to cash. So if the word creativity gives you goosebumps, don't worry. Creativity is a broad term. So it can feel very intimidating. Like, oh, the C-bomb. Oh no, I'm going to hide under my chair. You do not need a beret. You don't need to be a creative director. You don't need a GoPro and to like be jumping off a cliff. That is not necessarily what creativity has to mean for social video. Like when most people hear creativity, they get really freaked out. That's how I feel. If you told me to run a PNL, I'm like, no, uh, I'd basically be in the fetal position in the corner. So when I say creative video or inject creativity, I personally love brainstorms. That is fun for me. Like, I actually think it's really fun, but a lot of people don't enjoy that. And creativity as it applies in that sense, it's making a simple video with the mindset of a journalist. So creativity for social video, for most people selling selling things, their services, themselves, products, it's about putting your mindset like a journalist. So whatever the message is, you're basically trying to sell them on all of the interesting concepts and, and content that is around and adjacent to you. So you're not going to pop on and creatively tell somebody, work with me, work with me, work with me. That's still an ad. So creativity is in your industry, what would a magazine headline cover in your industry? What is an interesting angle around what you do? What, what, are, what are the questions people ask you? Because you're talking to your ideal client. So mm -hmm. if you, right, if you're, um, an expert, an expert consultant in, I don't even know, like securities, I'm not your client. So don't worry what I think, worry about what does your client find interesting. And so another thing to think about as creative is putting that journalist hat on something's about like injecting yourself in pop culture. So 
it doesn't have to be something like spicy or political or, or anything like that. But if there's something happening in pop culture, responding to it, it could be in your industry or it could be like the Super Bowl. So last year, for example, I had a healthcare communications client of mine. She's a healthcare communications consultant, right? That's not like the most interesting area. And I sent out a quick newsletter to my clients saying, hey, hop on this Rihanna being pregnant at the Super Bowl. Everyone's going to be talking about it. And I sent it out that night to my clients. She jumped on it quickly. She was responsive to it. She did a very simple video where she responded to Rihanna. She's so inspirational going out there and performing uh, in that red latex. And it was pretty simple, but it related to what she did. And it related to that moment. And she got like a 13,000% increase in views which means more people reaching her, more potential clients reaching out. And it's, it's like I said, she didn't have a GoPro. She didn't do something super interesting, 360 VR video. It's not like that. It's about thinking of a different spin. Um, again, to that point, I had uh, another client, a, a real estate client. He was doing a lot of luxury home tours, which is beautiful and very like nice to look at, pretty creative actually. But when we started working together, we focused on presenting him as the expert in his industry. So in that sense, being creative is having him sit down and teach people about his industry, about how to buy a home in New York City, how to get the best uh, sale price on your home, how to prepare your home for market, all of those things that you might not like think of as quote unquote creative, but you know what? He ends up getting a multi-million dollar referral, a home referral from a YouTube series we did that was educational. And so I think we, we put too much weight on the word creative. And truly creative is just thinking in a different way, what would your clients like to know? What would your clients be interested in hearing about? What would a journalist in your industry cover? And how do you get in that way? I love that so much. This is incredibly valuable because again, going back to a host or a media personality, even creating the real, it's actually yeah. thinking about what does an executive or a brand uh president or whoever want to watch, especially if they're seeing a ton. And we have to remember as consumers, we get like 3,000 to 6,000 messages a day. So I love actually what you're also bringing up, Kim, is that we're, we don't have to create Super Bowl ads. And I think that goes back to at the yeah. very, very beginning and the fear base where we start to think it's yeah. like, well, if I can't create a Super Bowl ad, I might as well not do it. And then what you're saying is just, you're actually about like with the systems, just like keep it simple, find inspiration. Yeah. The other thing I do, I mean, we'll just, I'm going to direct people to go to your YouTube channel is just go look at other examples that have worked for other yeah. people. And it's like, oh, well, how can I adapt that for myself and put my own spin on it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the C's are confidence, concise, consistency, and creativity. And don't let that paralyze you, whatever you're doing and putting yourself out there is good, is powerful. And when we say creative, just think a little differently, like tweak your thinking, like get inspiration from other people, other brands, step aside and like, look at new videos that you don't normally look at. You know, it's the same thing with just shaking up to come up with new ideas. Sometimes you just have to get like a little bit outside your own blinders and just see what else is out there. And you'll come up with some fresh ideas. Oh, that's such a great reminder. And now I'm remembering too, I had a client years ago who was an interior designer. And I think this might've even been for an audition tape, but really broke through the clutter was, I mean, this is going back a ways, but took video of President Obama and Vladimir Putin meeting and was kind of like, I don't know who these two guys are. And she talked about the furniture because they were sitting on these antique chairs and really woke, you know, talked about literally what was going on with the chairs. It was such yep. a funny way of taking yep. what had been a headline 
And yep. just being like, if you're in my space, of course, you're only ever going to notice the carpeting and the furniture. And I guess there's a couple of guys in suits talking about something important. Not sure what it was. No, it that's, it's so, so true. It's like, for one of my, one of the other things about speaking of interior design, like one of my real estate agent clients, I was like, why don't you comment on the stuff you're seeing in succession? Like how much would this house go uh, the, for? How yes. much would that apartment go for? And really like honing in on your area. And again, it's finding those pop culture things that relate to your industry. And that changes for other things, uh, depending on where you're at in your industry. The other thing that uh, so much of what you've been talking about, Kim, is a big old permission slip to people. You yes. know, you have permission to do this. You have permission to be creative. You have permission to keep it simple. You have permission to find inspiration from a variety of sources. You have permission to quote unquote borrow. And, yes. um, and then also you have permission to, you know, jump on a certain bandwagon if it's going to help you. And, yes. and um, we've all seen that. I adore you, Kim Ritberg. Will you come back? Uh, it is mutual. And of course I will come back. Barbara, you're one of my favorite people. Oh, okay. Thank you, Cam. I'm yes. going to say this on your podcast that Barbara is like totally my secret weapon. I have done a lot of speaking engagements over the past year and Barbara has been um, amazing with her advice and her support and her encouragement. So I am such a fan of Barbara Barna as just you're so good at what you do. So it's really fun for me to be here with you. I'm always so appreciative of your help and how much you've been helping me grow in my career. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Kim. It is so gratifying to see your success and really, really inspiring. And trust me, it's like, I just talking to you and watching you and, you know, listening to your speeches. And as you prepare, it's, you've totally gotten me on board. And so the next frontier for me is to become active in video. Yay. That's so great. Whenever someone's like, I made more videos, Kim. I'm like, yes, yes, you did. <laughs> no, it is. It's really fantastic. So thank you very much. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you're looking for media training for you or your team, please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com. And be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.